When you're trading options, Fidelity has just what you need with straightforward but powerful tools to help you select a strategy and execute your ideas. And they offer a wide range of information and insights to help simplify your trading experience. Have a question? Ask it live during their small classes and coaching sessions. Need information? Check out their educational videos, articles, and webinars. See why it's easy to trade options your way at Fidelity. Start now at fidelity.com options. p.m. on the east coast 25th of august october see i was seeing if anybody was paying attention cheapest thing you can do dan market call dan nathan guy Adami. soon the great carter braxton worth of worth charting will be joining us let's get right to the rundown dan it's that kind of day now what's not on the rundown is the fact that the phillies up three two going home Ugh. fall to arizona but that's for another show for another time what's not on the rundown is the fact that the rangers one in Calgary, a place that they don't play well, that's not on the rundown. What is on the rundown? Microsoft Alphabet. I can't even believe I just said that. I read whatever's in the prompter. And Texan earnings recap. By the way, Texas Instruments at a multi-year low. We'll talk about that. Implied bomb moves for Amazon and Facebook. And will there be, I'm not going to say it, I'll say a year-end rally in the S&P 500. Well, 4190, huge level. Dan, how are you? 4190, that was the level, guy. I mean, we've yeah. been talking about it, what, I think since June, the first week of June. And Carter had a great note out, and we're charting a couple weeks ago when we first went back and kind of tested that 4200 level and, and talked about just some of the headlines that that he remembers from that breakout level. And then the retest of that breakout level um, weren't too different. A lot of this stuff doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. I mean, last night you were not on the CNBC's Fast Money. You were hosting... A charity event. Just tell tell the folks really quickly because it's a great organization that you've been involved with. You were honored last year. I was there. They thought you were so great last year as the honoree. They asked you to host the event this year. Well, they couldn't, find, they couldn't find anybody else to do it, but we'll put it in the show notes. It is pretty cool. It's called Tri-County Scholarships. It's basically a scholarship fund for inner city kids, K through high school, uh, and it makes a huge impact on people's lives. There were 800 and 50 people at this place last night. It holds 900, but 900 is really cramming them in. And it was a great audience, three honorees, um, yeah. and they raised, I think, $2.3 million, which was a record. So congratulations to them. It's it's. I'm really proud to be part of that organization. It's pretty well, cool. So thank you for mentioning that. It, it is a, a great organization. I was at the event last year and listening to the beneficiaries of you know, those scholarships and what they're able to achieve. It's truly amazing. Guy, a lot of folks think that you were just, I don't know, a market's talking head or this and that. You're a lot more. You give a tremendous amount back. So um, I appreciate that. Um, but while you were there last night, I was on the set of CNBC's Fast Money. And we were kind of going through the Microsoft results. Microsoft was maybe up 4%. And then the Alphabet results. And Alphabet was down about 4 or 5% or something like that. We know that, you know, Microsoft's market cap is, is much greater than that of Alphabet. But what really struck me, Guy, is that if you go back three months ago, 
Okay. When Microsoft reported the stock had just come off from an all time high, investors were a little disappointed. This is back in that July quarter. Okay. What they were able to demonstrate in their cloud business and, and what from their AI investments in open AI was flowing through. And the stock sold off 15% from those all time highs to, you know, that low at some point in August. It's since kind of recovered. Now, now it's up on a reacceleration of cloud growth that is benefiting from customer use of these AI tools. Now let's throw it over to the alphabet okay so alphabet back in july had that big gap to a new 52-week high it, it actually been trading really well right up until yesterday and now it's down because they've seen some deceleration in their cloud this is something we're going to see again and again and again it's going to go back and forth so if investors are literally going to clip you know tens of billions of dollars off of what is, you know, stealing from Peter to pay Paul and this and that back and forth each quarter, it's going to get a little silly. Can you agree with me on that? Yeah, I can. So if we go back to the Microsoft chart real quick, and yes, you said reacceleration and technically that's exactly true. There's a reacceleration after a couple quarters where we seemingly sort of bottomed out and now we're starting to turn back, which is a great sign if that trajectory continues to the upside. But if this is just sort of a blip, on what's what what has been a downward trajectory over the last six, seven, or eight quarters, then that's problematic. I look at this chart, the uptrend is exactly right. You could actually put a downtrend in from sort of those, I don't know, mid-July highs, mm -hmm. connect those points, and you see this pennant formation that we clearly have broken out to on the upside. But you know, sometimes you get these failed breakouts. And today's close in Microsoft is going to be really, I think, fascinating to watch given the amount of volume it's already trading. So keep your eye on that. Let's go to Google real quick, because you mentioned it. We get right up at support here, the moving average, which is still sloping higher. This is exactly where effectively this stock should hold. You know, somewhere between 122 and a half and 123 is critical. And if we do it on two times normal volume today, at least maybe you have something to trade against in the form of that moving average and that big volume day. Yeah, you're not gonna well, you're gonna you're gonna get this because you probably would have been in agreement on this. So Mel goes around the horn last night after we all kind of go through the quarters and what we're seeing in the stock's reaction. And she's like said, Would you rather right oh, here? I like that game. Yeah. Right here, you know, the alphabet or the Microsoft. And we all said alphabet. Now, to me, you just said it. That gap in July, right, is right at that's a, the, the 150 day that's moving there. Seems like a good technical level. It's got the best valuation support. Where would you have fallen, Guy, in that game of would you rather? Well, I hate to say it and be in accord with the, with the panel, but I would yeah. have said, you know, given the quarters, you know, given the price reaction, I would have rather Google on valuation for the reasons I just gave and the technical reasons as well. I don't want to, we don't have to sort of Re retry this um, yeah. case. Relitigate. We're not going to relitigate. But yeah, I think Microsoft is, we've said it on this show a hundred times, one of the five to seven most important companies in the world. And that slight reacceleration is a good sign. It needs to continue though, right? I mean, that needs to continue in order for the trajectory of the stock to continue. Today's close is important. I would rather Google. Back to you. All right. I, I got you there. Um, yeah. I Listen, you know, it's funny. And I go back to this point is that, you know, some of the things that people were nitpicking about Microsoft last quarter, they're nitpicking Alphabet about yeah. this quarter. And, you know, it just seems like, you know, if you have the QQQ, then you have exposure to all of these and all those sorts of themes. And, and again, I go back to some place where I was in 2022 when we were in the throes of that bear market is like to me and I got the two 
listen, I think that Q's and twos, you remember I was saying that here and there. I never, and you were on the other side of this. I never, ever thought rates would go to where they are right now. Okay. I just didn't. And, and, and I know that you probably think they still move higher. I, I, you know, again, I've just been wrong. So I've been absolutely turned around, but at some point, you know, above 5% in the 10 year, you know, buying the TLT is going to be a decent trade in my opinion, if things get like, you know, somewhat normalized, because right now you could say, well, at 5% or, or just below it, maybe that is normal. I, I just don't think so. I just think that from, you know, the fiscal deficit standpoint and all this stuff, like the government, like funding, you know, like, like, like the rates that they have to fund, it's not going to be sustainable. You know what I mean? Especially in a lower growth environment. So to me, I go back to Q's and twos, you get exposure to this AI thing, but I do want to see it lower. I don't want it like dollar cost average mm -hmm. uh, on the highs. You know what I mean? I just think there's going to be a good trade and, in the not so distant future guy last thing though i'll just say this we got to get to carter here um you know i really feel like like you know the fever is breaking like I, are you surprised to see the nasdaq down two percent right now as we're talking with microsoft still up a couple percent because there's a lot of things that are being extrapolated right from the alphabet and maybe from texas instruments and, and a couple other things but there's not that many headlines right now that to me justify down two percent unless you are taking a more holistic view of everything that's been going on that really has not been the case of late that's the answer to your question and that's exactly what i was going to say if you were to look at it just through the lens that you just basically outlined in the view of microsoft and those different things just today am i surprised Absolutely. But then you sort of look at the aggregate, you look at the entirety of what's been going on. This should, in my opinion, this should have been happening for the last couple of weeks and we haven't seen it. You're starting to see it now. So we'll see. We have mentioned, and Carter will come on and talk about this, the importance of certain levels in the S&P and the fact that the NASDAQ seemingly technically is the most vulnerable. And now some of these stocks are rolling. I mean, we'll talk about Apple, I'm sure. But, you know, approaching the sort of one, I don't know, 170 level, you know, everybody seems to think Apple just goes up. Well, guess what? It goes down, too. And here's the chart of the NASDAQ, Dan. I mean, right before your very eyes. This, to me, looks vulnerable here. Again, right at support. We talked about this pennant formation for a while. We thought we would break to the downside. Let's see if we get a violation here. If it holds, it's another story. But, you know, that's what, listen, that's what makes markets. And that's why 100 people can look at the same chart and literally come up with a hundred different ways to trade it. All right, let's bring him in, the aforementioned Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting. Carter, welcome. Man, so always, uh, you know, it's funny. That's the beauty of this business. You can, um, you can, it's never the same, right? Despite we all want it to be the same. And that's what makes it interesting. Uh, you know, I think growing up here in New York City, I've friends that went off to be doctor, some work at HSS doing knees for the biggest sports players in the world. or And guess what? Every day it's another knee. So the beauty of this is that uh, it's it's always a little different, keeps you on your toes. And uh, obviously all the honor to the doctors out there, but uh, there's something fun about this and also very intellectually um, challenging. Yeah. What, what just you... real quick. I mean, hold on, Dan. You know, yeah. it's interesting you say the knees. And, you know, knees, in theory, they're all the same, but there's obviously there's subtleties, there are differences mm -hmm. in each of these surgeries. And that's the that's same right. way when you're trading, like, you know, you can look at the same thing over and over again, but the nuances that exist on a day to day basis is what really it requires you to stay on your toes and what keeps you humble, I think. So maybe speak to that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, think, well, first of all, this business, we know, uh, what is it considered right, hitting a major league pitch? 
is a three out of 10 puts you champion hall of fame, right? It's one of the hardest single endeavors. You know, someone's hiding a ball until the last minute, throwing it at your face. And then when you want to preserve your jawbone, in fact, it's about to break and make a strike when you're trying to get your head out of the way. Very hard, right? <laughs> this is uh, not to say uh, they're comparable, but this is a business also where, um, you know, 50-50 or 55-45 makes you a champion, right? Which is to say it's controlling the mistakes and it's it's trying to somehow come out on top um, through a disciplined approach. And there's so many ways to do it. But the key is always to, one discipline and also to know who you are in the market, what your time frames are, and also why, you've, why you're why you in. I mean, the mistake that we all make is you commit to something and then when it, independent of the price, let's say it goes up, but then you were in for a trade and you say, no, well, now I'll stay. I'm an investor. But that's not why you were there, right? You played it for earnings. It popped and then you stayed. So uh, the, the point is you've got to know who you are, what your time frames are, and then stick to that plan. And then, of course, sometimes you get hit in the face. As Mike Tyson lets us know, and so then uh, take your measures. But either way, um, these earnings moments are are fantastic because they give you a lot of opportunity to really make uh, great um, great trades and also uh, to practice the discipline when you're wrong. As to you know, first loss, best loss, one of the great adages in markets. Yeah, but let, let's talk about this. So so to see an alphabet down nearly nine percent mm-hmm. results last night, that looks like a pretty eye popping sort of move, but. You know, man, I, like I, if I was long it, I wouldn't really want to sell it based on what I thought was going to happen. You know what I mean? Over the next couple quarters or something like that. So it de- depends on your time horizon, right? It yeah. depends on your positioning and, 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 the, and the size of that position within your portfolio and relative to your thesis about this sort of thing. So curious, you know, you heard us talk about the would you rather Microsoft or Alphabet right here and, and being divorced of the fundamentals, Carter. What, what do you think the setups look like here? Um, sure. Just yeah, I mean, I, I, in principle, it's tempting to say, well, now, because ultimately it's about trying to buy something at a price that's lower than when you sell it. So one would say, well, I'd want to maybe buy some, uh, you know, Alphabet or Google, let's call it what it is, right? Let's buy some Google having dropped because this is an opportunity and maybe fade the, the Microsoft. But the problem with buying drops and gaps is that they, the stock has been reset for a reason. Right. And so you've got a lot of people now trapped above. Uh, you don't just quickly after a hole goes in the boat. Right. You don't just quickly uh, go forward. You stop. You got to bail. You got to patch the hole. So forth and so on. So there's a hole in the boat here. I wouldn't take advantage of this. Whereas I guess the play for me, Microsoft, I would I would reduce my long. So in the case of Alphabet, if I were long, I just get out. And for Microsoft, I'd reduce or sell calls or some other thing. But buying into a re-rating lower certainly one that's based on fundamentals. I mean, it belongs here. The stock belongs here. Carter, let's pull up our S&P chart because um, we had mentioned that 4190 level. And we have a question from Matrix of Compassion who is here every single day. We appreciate not only him or her, but everybody that comes on. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for your time, expertise. Carter, what would you look for to indicate a market reversal in the SPX? So here's our chart. You know, we have talked about these levels for a while. You know, speak to me about you know, what is the answer sure. to that question? So the answer really lies not in the chart of the S&P. It lies in the constituents, right? I mean, this is, uh, I think this is important and it's elemental. Not because I say so, but that's what makes the market go up or down. Why is the market down today? Not just people came in and sold more S&P. It's because of what's going on in Google and not that impressive move um, from Microsoft. And then it starts to accelerate. But what I would look for and what one should look for is the behavior as we go through earnings in other uh, big and important names. So, for instance, we have Capital One, for instance, coming out. Discover was terrible, 
dropped in gap. Does Discover, does Capital One do what Discover did? Um, uh, or for instance, coming, of course, is Apple, right? Meta and, and other big names. It's going to be the price action in, oh, we have Raymond James after the close, broker-dealer. It's not as big as Goldman Sachs and Warren Stanley, but guess, guess what those two did on their earnings? They went down. So does Raymond James not go down? All of a sudden, Capital One doesn't go down. And then Apple pulls a Tesla and actually, uh, I'm sorry, pulls a, a Netflix and bounces. We will, we will figure out how the market can reverse prospectively or stop going down by the behavior in the key constituents. But right now, that exercise tells us one thing. The weakness is not over. The problem's not over. Bank of America makes a new low and Citibank makes a new low. And every day there's another, I mean, you know, uh, Google was indicated only down four or five and all of a sudden it's down seven, down nine. You know, it's the lows will be determined by the behavior in the major constituents. As of now, that process reveals that there's more to go. Yeah. And I, and I guess going back to what we started with is that, you know, I, I see little relief over the next week or so as we get through the bulk of S&P 500 earnings based on what the price action looks like today, assuming that yields stay where they are, like we don't have a big move, you know, one way or the other, because on a day that you have Microsoft up nearly 3% and the devastation in and around, let's say technology, which we know is a huge mover in, in the S&P and obviously the NASDAQ, um, you know, if Amazon tomorrow night, has a beaten raise and the stock's up 5%, um, it's not doing it for the broad market. You know, Meta is not going to do it for the broad market. Even next week, Apple, unless we're down much more than we are from where we are right now, Apple can't save the market, you know, in and of itself. And if you put together what we heard from the banks and what we've heard from, you know, some other parts of the market, industrials and stuff, it's just not particularly good. And then you guy like, like weigh in here, because I feel like there's a confluence of events that are about to smash into each other once we get through earnings season. So obviously the house does not have a speaker. November 17th is a date for government shutdown. We can't get funding to Israel and Ukraine, which has the potential obviously to, to screw things up on, on a greater level um, as it relates to geopolitics and the uncertainty in and around there. Situation with China doesn't get a whole heck of a lot better anytime soon, especially as we get into 2024 and election year. A lot of the rhetoric is going to get dialed up. So to me, I, I feel like there's a lot more headwinds than there are tailwinds right now for the broad market. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Those have been in place for a while, but with each passing day, I think the magnifying glass gets a little bit stronger in terms of people focusing on it. And I will tell you that, again, I don't know What's going on with the VIX over the last couple of years? If it's been skewed by these different products that are out there, I, I can't speak intelligently. But what I will tell you is, historically, given everything you just mentioned, you know, given what's going on with bond yields and all the all these different things, currencies globally, a VIX at twenty and a half does not make sense unless the VIX is a different instrument yeah. today. But given what you just said, this should probably have a three handle in front of it, and it doesn't now. Maybe we're looking at the wrong things. You know, I continue to look at HYG as sort of some sort of indicator as to what's going on. I will tell you 72-ish has been this line in the sand, and we are right there again. So keep your eye on that because I think credit is the thing that scares a lot of people. You know, but here we are, Dan. To answer your question, you're right to bring all those things up. And slowly but surely, I think the market is coming around to your way of thinking. Yeah. All right. So, Carter, you, you talked about, you know, what we glean from other um, companies, other major components and what they have to say and, and how their stocks are reacting. 
in the last kind of, I don't know, couple months or so, Texas Instruments, which is, uh, you know, not an insignificant company in the semiconductor space, has really gone the opposite way of some of its peers that are obviously more exposed to AI. And, you know, what they had to say, and, and just look at this. I mean, this thing has broken down from a couple year base, if you will. Um, it was trading at, you know, a multiple that I, I think Guy and I would often say seemed kind of curious um, for a company that's not exposed to some of the growth year areas in, in, you know what I mean, as far as tech is concerned, um, what they had to say about their exposure to industrial should be something, and it's not good right now. I mean, the demand in, the, in those spaces is not particularly good ex-auto. Um, so I say to myself, this has got to be like, uh, it's got to be something that if you are like, you know, close your, your eyes and buy semiconductors, you better pay attention here because what Taiwan Semi said to us that they might see a stabilization in PCs and smartphones a couple of weeks ago, they're seeing good demand in AI stuff. I mean, I, I think, I don't know, man, I, it seems like there's risk to the downside. Curious is your take on this and maybe you have some thoughts in, in, in the semi space in general. Um, well, uh, this is a, a pretty good testament of weakness begets weakness, right? And it's what we are always, all of us, it's the human condition to think, well, maybe this one's cheap now. It's down so much. I guess I could try to play for a bounce. But the greatest moves, I mean, and this is, this is incontestable, right? You can look back. The greatest one-day moves to the downside, the precondition for them is not strength. You think, oh, it was really, really steep names that then crack on an earnings miss or a downgrade. It's not. The biggest one-day moves, with almost no exception, come from the precondition of shocking weakness. Something that's just down and down, and you're like, there's no way. And then it, it pulls an end run. It's like, oh, my God, yet again. Yeah, we see it all the time. And this is a testament to that. Uh, buying stocks and downtrends is dangerous business. There was a lot of weakness here. Unrelenting, too. It never even had any counter trends. No bounces over, you know, from August, September, October. It's like, wait a minute, surely it's oversold. And these are these are what um, uh, these are what the great plunges often always come from. And I would I would sell it even here. I, I'd put on fresh new shorts. This is a bad setup. Jacob or Steven, if you could pull up an SMH chart over the last few years, real quick, Carter, before we go to Facebook implied move. At what point, and we've been talking about this for a while, so it's not necessarily Monday morning quarterback, but I've said, Dan has said, you have said that the potential for a huge double top exists and that I would be very leery of this, and it's playing out now. At what point do you say, okay, technically it's been created, this thing should now have a 50% retracement from basically last October's low to this recent high, and we're looking at another leg lower. Does that question make sense? Sure. I mean, you know, they talk about measured moves and, and again, whether one's coming with a, a, I like the word, a price objective. Uh, what's the objective for when you put on, make a, what's your objective when you approach someone in a business meeting or in a bar? What's your objective in when you commit capital? The word target slept in, kind of got into the vernacular about 25 years ago. It's more of a sports thing. It's not a target, but since that's what it is, it is. The objective here is lower. And how much lower if you're committing capital? Um, to your point, God, does it have to retrace 50%? I mean, hard to know. But the main thing is you've got to pick your direction. And it, it, one could say, hey, it's already it's had the double top. It's sold off meaningfully. We're down to support. But we're not down to support. That's the thing. Uh, we might have some SMH charts here uh, mm -hmm. uh, that are other than these. But if we don't, I, I would just play for lower. Uh, my thinking is you, there. No, we have your charts here. Look at look at this. Yeah, all right. Well, fun. All right, look, here. Now, there are no lines on this. I put some lines on to try to uh, help the eye. Let's let's flash those on and off. The point being, 
um, that we, we, we've broken the trend, right, very clearly, uh, the uptrend in effect since the lows of uh, September, October. And uh, an, uh, an objective here would be a gap fill, which would take you even yet further below the uptrend line in effect since the low. And that would also be where support starts to come into play. And support, again, is not one precise level. It's more of a, again, more of a mattress top. You sink into support. Real support doesn't come into play about 125. And that's a long way down from here. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the components are going to be the ones that that kind of drive yep. the direction of this. Let, let's look at AMD. They report, I think, on Tuesday um, after the close, the implied move is uh, about 7% in either direction, Carter. Over the last two quarters, the stock has had some pretty dramatic, you know, next day declines. I think 7% last quarter, 9% the quarter um, before that. One of the reasons this one is interesting to me is that a lot of folks are pointing to them playing catch up with uh, NVIDIA. They have some uh, advanced um, graphics chips that they're working on that train these large language models, generative AI models and the like. I don't think any of them are expected to be nearly the quality of what NVIDIA has here. And I know you don't care about that sort of stuff, but talk to us about this one because I think this is going to be really an important um, you know, we know that Intel is is not anywhere to be seen as far as GPUs right now. And, and I know this one reports too, but AMD is the one I think that a lot of folks might take some direction for with a broader semi-space because we know that it's going to be at least a month before NVIDIA reports. Right. I mean, this is one of the more cyclical businesses uh, that exists. You can see, of course, just started going back in 2015, which is not a long way back. And this was $2. I mean, you're talking about a stock that's essentially gone from 2 to 150 um, and one could say, well, therefore, uh, it's changed its stripes. It's it's AI. It's a whole new world. There's chips in the refrigerator and there are chips in your electric bike and there weren't any before and they're everywhere. Now. Uh, okay. It's already going from two to 150. Let's put some lines in. Uh, this is what my eye sees. I think we're going to break trend. Yeah. Look at that guy. What, do you, what are you thinking here? Because this is one, again, you've highlighted the fact that what was it? In, it was it in the April quarter after that 9% gap? And they had a whole bunch of AI announcements after that, and the stock rallied, what, 30 or 40%? I mean, it just had an eye-stopping move. Yeah, I mean, the stock closed the day of earnings. I think it was April. Please don't at me if I'm off by a couple of days. But the stock closed at 90, reported earnings after the bell. Stock was trading 81. We were talking about it on the show that night. It was not a particularly good quarter. Then they went on to sort of talk about AI. The stock proceeded to go from 81 to, I think it topped out about 128 or so, Dan, or maybe even traded to 130. Yep. And now here we are basically back either side of 100 bucks. So again, this AI pixie dust, and I'm saying that for a reason because I'm not saying it's not real or it's not going to sort of manifest itself over the next few years, but to see a stock go up almost 45%-ish on the back of what was a poor quarter, just by the mention of AI, it doesn't make it really doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. And AMD is a great company, but you know now it finds itself in a pretty precarious position here technically as well. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know the other thing I wanted to mention, you know Carter, to your point about weakness and the sort of plunge that we saw um, in a Texas instrument and Texas instruments usually it comes from that. We've got to pull up this world line chart. This is a, a payments company um, in France. It's down sixty percent as we speak. Okay, they had very disappointing uh, results and, and commentary. They serve uh, over a million merchants worldwide. They talked about weakness in Germany. I mean, look at that sort of plunge, and, and you can see that stock. Um, you know, with today's plunge, it looks like the, the prior year, the prior 364 days, it looks kind of range bound. It wasn't. It was bottom left, you know, or upper left to bottom mm -hmm. right there. Um, but like, let's pull up PayPal. Let's pull up, pull up Square here for a second. 
you know, just look at like these stocks making 52 week and multi-year lows. I mean, PayPal looks like Amazon guy in early 2003, late 2002, down 80 some percent from its bubble market highs, you know? So we have some of those things playing out. Now, PayPal is a very different company than Amazon was 21 years ago. I mean, PayPal is a very profitable company, you know? So I just think this is really important to point out because we've mentioned this like on market call almost every day for the last six months. People are like, ah, you guys were wrong on this. No, man, we're pointing out there are bear markets all over the place. It's just this mag seven that have been keeping, I, you know, to, to, to my mind, been keeping this whole thing up. And I know we sound redundant on that, but if we are to go back and, you know, look at just the regular, you know, regular strength or whatever you want to call it, um, S&P 500, it's down solidly on the year. Carter, you've been highlighting data, uh, the Russell 3000, how many stocks are down in that industry, how many are down below their October 2020 lows. So it just doesn't feel, guy, like like a particularly like, like great bull market right now carter started talking about this when we began our show about how the generals are the last to go and the generals in our world are these you know eight to ten stocks that we seemingly talk about on a daily basis on our show on fast money and you know if you want to start if you want to start going down the line i mean nvidia has given a lot of that think about where nvidia was post earnings i think i saw a 516 print look where it is now microsoft is its own animal i totally get it um but it, you know, we'll see how it trades today. But that stock obviously has traded off a bit as well. Facebook, its own animal too. We'll see what they say after the close. But then you throw Apple in, seemingly in a bit of a precarious position here, especially what's going on with China. Throw Tesla in the mix, which again, at pretty important levels. And then you sort of have this pastiche that you start to lose a couple of these names. And it's almost by definition, the broader market has to follow given their weight. So you're saying less magnificent um, than than the mag. I, you know, maybe. again, it's not I, something I, you would I, use. I, I get I it. Don't. Hey, really quickly, I want to tease this. Um, I had a conversation on Monday. Uh, with Gene Munster of Deepwater Asset Management. You guys know him. He's been on um, our pods. He was on OK Computer. Um, and please go to your podcast store and follow that. Listen to that conversation with Gene. We hit all the major tech names. Um, we previewed Meta. We previewed Amazon, which reports tomorrow night. We previewed um, Apple. We talked a little bit um, about Tesla. So go check that out. Follow that in the podcast stores. All right, guy, you just mentioned it. So Meta, after the close today, um, this one is interesting. It feels like an outlier relative to some of these other names. You know, I mean, they don't have some of the same drivers, let's say, that an alphabet has. I know that they're obviously very focused um, on ad spending and the like here. Implied move 9% in either direction. Carter, talk to us a little bit about how this stock has been trading over the last few months, definitely relative to some of its peers that have been in downward sloping, you know, um, you know, like they've been in a downward slope. This thing has gone sideways here, but expectations are high. The same way they were high headed into Alphabet last night. Sure. Right. So if we know that the peak in the market was uh, July, mid-July, right? Uh, July, actually, it was late July. Um, everything is down since then, Apple most notably and everything else. And yet this is sideways. Well, Google was up. So sometimes relative strength is something to... Um, respect and acknowledge is weighing this thing is holding up in the face of, of you know, aggressive week-over-week uh, -week selling pressure. Um, and yet, in the case of Google, it was too good, right? It was, well, it was due for some give back. Uh, this is a bit of both. It's dead sideways, so it's not down with the market. It's not down with Apple. Um, Netflix was down a lot, right? And then, of course, Netflix did the opposite. It popped. This is really what a pair of twos is. There's no, I don't think there's any tell, any sign 
other than one one can point to. And the way I've annotated it is this way. So you're back to, it's not random where it's starting to stop, right? It, it, it's very symmetrical. The plunge from 350 to uh, what, 90, the recovery from 90 all the way back to essentially 350 or where we are now. And we're stopping here for a reason, right? Because there is overhead supply. And, and, and I would uh, just to offer a quick rule of thumb that I rely on, and it's just that a rule of thumb that's not sacrosanct or gospel. But if you look at where that oval is, we know that all purchases in that period, and that's essentially May until January, right, are made somewhere between 300 and 375. Okay. Now, the, anyone who committed capital between 300 and 375, and then disaster strikes, not their fault. We all do. We buy something and it goes down. Think of it this way, a third, a third, a third. A third of the people that bought it there between June and December of 2021, as soon as it dropped and gapped, they sold or they held on a little longer they sold in march or maybe they sold in june down at 150 or maybe they set the low they coughed it up at 100 but one third of the people got rid of it at some point there's a second third think of it this way who will never sell they bought it back there between june they're going to hold it to not to 5000 they think this they're lifers right they're going to give it to their kids they think warren buffett will buy it up god knows what their thoughts are but they'll never sell and then there's that final third that neither dumped it nor are going to hold it forever who did buy poorly, not their fault, took the hit, but said, I'm not going to dump this thing. And if it recovers, I'll shoot myself in the head. It was bad to have bought it. But then if I dump it at the low and it goes all the way back to my cost basis, I will literally want to jump out the window. So you return to that level where that final third, which is a lot of shares, the supply is acting. That's why it's stopping here. It keeps getting stuck as people unload from almost two years ago. They're like, thank God I got my money back. So that's what overhead supply is. It's as simple as that. And uh, we're stuck here at, at a level. I think it's a pair of twos. Before we go to Amazon, I'll just say this as well. I have no idea where it's going. I think Carter just said a pair of twos. But I'll say this. Carter had mentioned sort of the micro cap names and how that index was really rolling over hard. And if you really examine Facebook, you know, a lot of their advertisers are small and medium-sized businesses. So if you start trying to connect some dots here and say, well, wait a second. Now, these small and medium-sized business vis-a-vis -vis that index clearly are not doing well. What does that mean for the ad spend? And then subsequently, what is it going to mean for Facebook? So I mentioned this on Fast Money the other night. The one stock I'm watching in earnings the most close is Facebook for those reasons, Dan. Yeah, no, that's a great point, too. Um, another one I think is interesting. So you just mentioned Amazon. So they report tomorrow after the close. Implied move is just below um, 8% or so. That's our chart there. You see it's kind of through that 150-day moving average. We'll let Carter take a closer look at this before we let him go. Um, but this is one that's really interesting to me because that gap three months ago is better than expected. Retail results, operating margins were better there. Um, we know that they're going to be hiring lots of seasonal workers um, in the past when they've geared up for spending into a holiday season and let's say some of those um you know sales don't materialize or at the pace that they expected and then they get penalized a little bit but this stock for the same reason that alphabet is under pressure today they've been under pressure over the last couple months for fear of deceleration or or share loss um at aws so i think it's interesting that this thing is now limping into its earnings report down five percent in sympathy with alphabet not taking some of the brighter spots out of what microsoft has had to say guy i'm just curious thoughts on this one before we look at the charts with carter amazon is such a crapshoot you know if they decide they want to show a, a, an improvement of margins they can sort of turn a couple dials and the next thing you know it comes out of surprise to the upside and we've seen it before the stock goes up eight to ten percent in a straight line I, you know again we're at support if you're trading this stock here 
given where it is, given this upward sloping moving average, you say buy it in earnings, close your eyes and hope you're right. And maybe it's a 65-35 thing. But given the way the tape is and given some of the bombs we've seen, you know, to me, this is a no touch as well, Dan. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Carter, walk us through the charts here because this is one where, um, you know, to me, I, I think it's a tough setup, not down 5% in sympathy, you know, like I said, with Alphabet, um, because if there's, you know, anything that, that that is remotely better than expected, the stock should pop. But I, I'm at this point of earnings season where taking a, a, a shot on earnings, especially if you're doing it with defined risk, with options, you know, the odds are not in your favor to make money here, especially unless you're very convicted. So I'm curious your thoughts and what you're seeing here. Yeah. So uh, one thing we know, look, levels matter. And and whether it's a actual algorithm or quant uh, st- uh, watching a level or a technician or just the general public, look at this next uh, with some lines and iterations here. Those are not random. Those lows, that's the COVID low. It's, it's 13 cent different. You can see the blue circles. Guess what else is identical? Those two um, sort of tops, those are mm-hmm. both $146 within like literally a penny. Um, the, and look, do you buy this? One could say you're forming the right-hand side of a massive head and shoulders. But okay, you can see whatever you want. That's why some people think this is all voodoo. They say you're just drawing lines like a child. This is looking at clouds. But the point is levels matter. You can see it here. It's annotated very clearly. And for now, um, the benefit of the doubt is not given, right? Stock is acting very poorly, um, and it's a long way off of its lows. I think you sell it. All right. Well, there you yeah. Okay. Yeah. I forget. Or, or one more. Do it with the circles. I mean, do we go all the way down there to to stay on trend? I mean, that's very possible. I just and the tape is bad. I mean, there's one thing. There are moments where uh, there's an old time issue. Nothing to be lost by postponing all new buying. Like, what's the point of in it when everything's wet and soggy and it's all treacherous let me just go and really ferret out a winner eh, just be careful it's a it's a bad moment for equities I, I think that it is it feels like we're on the precipice of a worse moment for equities so we yeah. appreciate that all right carter braxton worth we appreciate you being here with us you guys know where you can find him worthcharting.com. he is going to be on the set of cnbc's fast money with guy and myself and tim seymour tonight and the illustrious melissa lee that's a lot of bros and, and yes, that is and just Mel. So we look forward. We'll see you at the NASDAQ later today, Carter. Bye, guys. Um, you know, it's interesting that he just mentioned um, head and shoulders top um, forming, possibly the right shoulder. Doug just uh, cast mm-hmm. of, of his capital and real money. He said when he was on our show last month, and it was a great uh, uh, effort by Doug then, he mapped out a lot of things that are going on right now, guy. And we were in many of agreements with him on that. Hopefully, Doug will come back with us. Um, but he was talking about all of the technical patterns and the head and shoulders. And I got to tell you, the mother of all head and shoulders, and I think we had it. I put it in our chat yesterday, so it's not updated with today's prices. But if you look at this you know, five-year chart of Tesla, I mean, this thing, you know, this kind of like 150, 60 level guy that, that it kind of uh, bounced off of earlier this year, that is the neckline. This is the mm-hmm. mother, the mother. You can just, you can figure it out. You can draw this thing. The mother of all head and shoulders tops here. And to me, why is this one important? It's not a $2 trillion market cap company guy. It's because the people 
you know, the emails that I get and some of the social stuff that I get, people trying to tell me that I'm wrong on this or that or whatever, it feels like a cult. It doesn't feel like a stock. It feels like a cult. And so to me, the one thing, you know, where people were starting to kind of lose their metal in this one was that drop last November, December, when it went from 200 to 100 in a straight line. So if I look at this, you know, the way my mind and eyes work, I see that all time high north of 400. So there's your first point. There's a very distinct downtrend that we continue to be in. I mean, despite the fact that the stock went from 100 to 300, we're still down about 50%-ish from the all-time high. So the downtrend has not been violated at all. This small uptrend from the beginning of this year, if you look at that and those three points, yep. has been now violated. So, you know, again, you can draw lines any way you want, but we're in a long-term downtrend. A short-term uptrend has been violated to the downside. The levels that you outlined are not that preposterous. And, you know, I think people focus, again, they focus on the $100 to $300 move and say, holy shit, what an amazing company. They're not focusing on the broader picture that since the last two years or so, stock has actually not been particularly good, Dan. Yeah, well, and not only that, I mean, the fundamentals have deteriorated. So the stock price at a few times has been um, at odds with what the fundamentals have been this year, in my opinion. But one thing is for certain that each time this company has reported, okay, in, in April, in July, and then again, uh, just last week, the stock has declined 9% the day after. There's something that the big money, okay, the guys and gals who've been in it at the big mutual fund complex for a long time, okay, not the Johnny Come Lately's, not the tech crossover fund, but those guys, they don't like that they're seeing. Okay, there's there's a math problem there as far as price elasticity and what they believe they can do. So, um, you know, by, you know, increasing demand, by lowering prices at a time where, you know, obviously financing costs have gone up dramatically. And this is a car that needs to be financed to be purchased. Okay, so that is what it is. We don't need to litigate that right here. Last thing, car, uh, guy, before we get out of here, let's look at the Russell 2000. So you mentioned um, Carter's take on the micro cap and what you were extrapolating to the um, advertising market, you know. Meta, a lot of their advertisers, obviously, um, are small and medium business. You mentioned that um, quite often here. Look at what's going on in the Russell 2000. Now, you could say that was the 10-year at 5% cost of capital, access to credit, deteriorating credit. There's a lot of regional banks and financials in there and that sort of thing. But if you pull this thing back to five years, okay, that looks atrocious uh, on a one-year basis, right? But pull it back there. I mean, we are nearing a very, really critical um, you know, technical level in the Russell 2000. You know, when the moving averages start to roll over, which we're starting to see now, I mean, that support is precarious at best. And, the, you know, you mentioned the the moving yields. Yeah, a lot of this is predicated on the moving yields and how it really hampers these small and medium-sized businesses, which are so economically sensitive. So that's why this chart is important, Dan. All right. Well, that's it. Um, guy, we, we covered a lot of ground here. Carter was prolific on the charts there. I think the semi stuff is, you know, what he, what I took away from that when he's like, I'd sell text in here. And I'm not the sort of guy to press a low like that. I'd love to see what sort of bounce we have. I'd like to see how the semiconductors, you know, how they react to what Intel has to say and what AMD does next week. But uh, to me, if you just think the cyclicality of that space and some of the cross currents that we're seeing, it really seems like the only strength is in AI and, and for GPUs right now and that's not a place i want to be right now so that's it all right take us out of here man that's I it people and if you want oh. a little exercise look at the arc etf since july not particularly good i think it's gone from like 51 down to 35 so she continues to defy all odds um anyway 
That's it for Market Call. I want to thank Carter Worth. Obviously, thank FactSet Financial Data and Analytics powered by tomorrow. They're our data provider as well. We'll be back tomorrow. I believe we got Butters, not IRL, but we got him. And EY from SoFi will be joining us unless she's like, you know, having lunch with Jerome Powell or something that she doesn't tell us about. I don't know what to tell you. All right, man. Well, it was fun, guy. We laughed. We cried. Uh, now we have to deal with Meta tonight. So um, I'll see you at Fast Money. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Uh -huh.